Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for week two of Nintendo Month 2020. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. For the second week of Nintendo Month, you know, oftentimes with these, we like to do spotlights on individual games, game series, or specific composers, you know, kind of legends of Nintendo. Right. And we thought it would be really fun to take a look at the music of the women of Nintendo. We're calling this episode Women of Nintendo, but more specifically, it should be, uh, you know, female composers of Nintendo, of which yes. there are so many. I mean, this is really a list of incredible titans here, and this is all music that, for the most part, I think we've all featured before on the podcast. For the you most probably, part, yeah. You probably recognize the piece of music that we're playing in with. It's by Soyo Oka, one of our favorites. This is from the NES title, Ice Hockey. Well, we do this a lot when we recontextualize video game music, it's another excuse to play some of our favorite video game music from yeah. Nintendo games over the years. I mean, I'm looking at the playlist, and particularly when we get to the later part of the playlist, oh my god, some of my favorite Nintendo music of the past, you know, 15 years is on here. So yes, this is going to be an awesome playlist, a lot of stuff we've played before, but it's a different context today. What you guys are hearing right now, this is the oldest piece of music on the episode and the oldest composer that we're featuring today it's miss soyo oka this was an nes track that she actually composed for ice hockey this is team selections yeah this has always been one of my favorites and it's in that sort of it's so 1920s kind of jazz style it's evocative Mm -hmm. of ragtime and other things and it's a similar kind of musical vocabulary that composers like hirokazu tanaka koji kondo akito nakatsuka that whole early crew and that's sort of where soya oka started at nintendo um but what i'm really excited to feature some of her super nintendo music that i'm sure everyone's familiar with but i i really credit her with being largely responsible for um almost a shift in style for a lot of Nintendo composers when we went from the NES to the Super Nintendo and particularly some of her kind of jazz and jazz fusion influence that she really brought to the music of uh, like the Super Mario Kart, for instance, the Mario Kart series. Oh, such a debt of gratitude to her, but the Pilot Wings series especially. Well, I mean, one of the things that I'm so proud of the video game music tradition is the inclusion of a lot of female composers. If you think about media scoring or just composing in general, historically, that hasn't really been the case that there have been a lot of female composers. So that's right. one thing that video games can be really proud of. Um, not necessarily Nintendo in the early days. Nintendo was a little bit behind the times, I would say. Uh, definitely way less female composers back in the NES days than something like Capcom or Konami. So it took them a little bit longer, I would say. I mean, we did have Soyo Oka, but other than that, there wasn't really a lot of other ones. Um, it wasn't until we started to get to the GameCube and Beyond era when we had a lot more prevalent and prolific Nintendo female composers. Okay, let's dive into some more music. Let's keep Soyo Oka going for now, and let's play a track of hers from Pilot Wings. This is Rocket Belt, composed by Soyo Oka.
super jazzy and delightful piece of music. This is Rocket Belt from Pilot Wings, and I'm glad we're playing this today. This is composed by Soyo Oka, and it really encapsulates her special style, especially for the 16-bit era. Very jazzy and free, but also there is something simple to it. I mean, this is a pretty mm-hmm. short loop, and it's catchy while it's also exploratory. It's quite unique for Nintendo. There's really no one else like her. Yeah, I think a lot of her music in this period pays a certain type of homage to sort of, I, I, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, but sort of like w- whether it's like elevator music or production music, easy yeah. listening background Definitely music easy listening that evokes for sure. kind of like the 50s jazz orchestra, 50s, 60s. Um, and th- that's why so much of her music, and similar to the music of composers like Kozumi Tataka uh, in certain yeah. cases. Oh, but I just wanted to mention quickly uh, some of her other credits because she's done so many classic Nintendo games like SimCity, city wario's woods uh one that we're going to be playing sooner or later but she also did super mario all-stars the Mm -hmm. new arrangements of kondo's music and some of the additional themes which is one of my favorite soundtracks of her because she does this amazing job of kind of filling in the blanks so to speak that it's like all the new music she adds you might not have even known that it wasn't there all along so we're going to now move on to the last piece of music by Soyo Oka of the day. We're doing three of hers today. This is Super Mario Kart, the other behemoth Super Nintendo title that she worked on. And one of the things we try to do with this playlist is play tracks that maybe we haven't played as many times. Because uh, I'm thinking of how many times have we played something like Donut Plains or something like Koopa Beach. Uh, this is a track that we've probably only played once or twice on the podcast. So let's give this some love today. This is the staff roll. A wonderful track from Super Mario Kart. such a treat you guys are listening to staff roll this is composed by soyo oka who was a nintendo composer in the i guess late 80s mostly the early to mid 90s when she was the most active and what a treat it was to be a fan of uh, nintendo video games back then i mean the 16-bit era on the super nintendo arguably the best time to be a gamer especially if you if you love charming video game music this was an era that is just unmatched we've mentioned some of her jazz influences but sprinkled throughout this entire score to super mario kart are a lot of latin influences but overall Mm -hmm. her music has that easy listening sort of kitsch quality 
um, that, you know, there's so much music from the 50s and 60s, that big, lush jazz orchestra stuff that's been kind of forgotten or been put mm-hmm. in the pile of, like, not serious music, which I think is unfortunate because there's so much great stuff there. But video games were, and particularly the, the style and sound of the music of Nintendo, I think played a big role in almost kind of... Uh, a new celebration of that style, that kind of novelty, right. Tin Pan Alley, old American Broadway kind of harmony. These rich, jazzy chords, but very simple melodies. It really easy to listen to, but plucky and sweet and very uh, vocal. I mean, so much yeah. Nintendo music, almost more so than even other great, you know, Japanese game studios like Konami or Capcom. The, the music is so vocal. The music really really it sounds like old show tunes and i think that's yeah. something that soyo oka almost is like the epitome of that sound just because of her use of jazz uh, well one and- thing i love about the super mario kart score is that yes there's all those things you're talking about but there's also a healthy jazz fusion and almost progressive jazz and progressive right. rock influence in, as well that's what makes it so hip that's what makes it stand up today it's really cool music yeah the mario kart is in a very interesting series and we have several other entries actually today yeah from that series but it, it's we've it's, it's sort of hard to describe musically because there's so much stuff, but I think it's important to mention that jazz fusion quality is being very synonymous in the case of this series with, I think, the emotional tone of that racing. I mean, so yeah. much of Oka's music, yes, it sounds jazzy and it sounds, you know, like 1930s, but it also has this sort of 70s kind of sound to it with chords there's a hip that, factor to it yeah it's hip and the use of synthesizers even with the so snes sampler you know she's using these quirkier synth tones to make up this entire score even the more latin tracks which inherently yeah. gives it that fusion quality which i think is really neat well today's playlist is not fully chronological it didn't really make sense to do that because sometimes these composers have worked many years at nintendo but overall i think it's a natural flow uh, let's move on to the next composer we're going to focus on today. We're going to play a couple tracks from Monaco Hamano. Uh, the first notable work of hers for a video game was Super Metroid, collaborating with Kenji Yamamoto. This is maybe the most prevalent, uh, especially when you think about the entire series, theme that she contributed to this game. Let's take a listen to Versus Ridley. So one thing that was a real treat going through uh, all of these composers' work is there's a lot of these situations like Super Metroid where it's a collaboration between usually some male composers as well as, you know, female composers uh, for today. And it wasn't like we had to find these really obscure kind of dinky tracks to spotlight. I mean, some of the best tracks time and time again 
on a lot of these collaborative scores happen to be from the people that we're featuring today. And that's definitely the case with Super Metroid. I mean, this is a banger. This is one of my favorite pieces of music from that whole score. Well, it's a worthwhile thing to mention because, I mean, I, I really, I don't know how many people in the 21st century would hold the view that, like, women can't be composers or aren't as good as, I mean, that's such a backwards notion. But I think in Japan, particularly, especially in the world of game music, um, it is interesting that there wasn't this huge disparity between the amount of male composers and the amount of female composers, Mm -hmm. which isn't the case in almost any other... I can't think of it in media music and it's definitely not, I don't even think it was the case as much in the West. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, I can't speak to the culture in Japan. It's definitely not the culture in Japan in the eighties and nineties. But I also just wonder if in Japan in general, there's more of an appreciation for music and the arts in almost every household because so many of the composers of Nintendo never really set out to be musicians. It was like, Oh, I I took piano lessons when I was a kid, but then in college, you know, I got into computer programming. So they sort of fell into it as a lateral step. And it maybe it's less about, you know, them it's less about that culture fostering, you know, um, ambitions of music composition amongst, you know, young, girls in japan but it might just be that you know learning music is might be more of a a cultural norm in japan than it is it's possible it's possible one of the really cool things about monaco homano is when you think about the metroid series i mean she is just as important to establishing and continuing the sound of that series as someone like kenji yamamoto and so it's really great that we're able to feature two of her tracks today well and uh, some of the music that she wrote for super metroid is absolutely beautiful and they do have such a sense of cohesion this is a track that's kind of an outlier because it's this piece of action music essentially in 5.8 or 5.4 and it's very iconic I think it's it, it was probably unexpected that a functional piece of music like this would become so um, representative of this character but mm-hmm. it really has lasted in the series but yeah I, I just when I think of Monaco I think of Metroid I do want to give a shout out to another soundtrack that she played an incredibly vital role was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening which that is true played and talked about a lot before on this podcast that was another early score of hers that she took a very lead role in and did some absolutely career defining work i think that she was working on super metroid all right let's move on to one more monaco homano track this is a few years later for the gba soundtrack metroid fusion Uh, we played kind of this boss confrontation piece let's play something a little bit more on the melodic beautiful yet atmospheric side sector four underwater area
You guys are listening to Underwater Area. This is from Fusion by the wonderful Nintendo composer Monaco Hamano, also Intelligent Systems composer. That's one thing we should say. Some of the people on today's episode might not have worked on uh, games developed by Nintendo, but all published uh, at least by Nintendo. So yes, uh, such a wonderful piece of music. It always stops both of us in our tracks for the Game Boy Advance. It's amazing how atmospheric and beautiful and emotional this is for that really primitive uh, audio hardware. This is so good. Well, and something, Intelligent Systems is a company owned by Nintendo. It, it's it, true. It was an expansion of one of their R&D teams. Um, but yeah, we have a couple examples of games here that were developed by uh, studios not owned by Nintendo, but partnership. Yep. A great example would be when we get to the music of Yoko Shimomura, who Ooh, has worked spoiler. on Nintendo We are games. having Yoko music today. Yeah, <laughs> That might uh, be a surprise for This some is such an incredibly gorgeous piece. We've played this uh, so often, and I think this describes one of my favorite facets of Monaco Hamano's composition, which is her her very filmic sense of musical storytelling in her game music Mm -hmm. it's absolutely evident in the music of super metroid where she also did some of the really prevalent water aquatic music that's true but uh something that's just so beautiful about this composition is that harp line which has this very basic you know gba sample yet it's so expressive because of how it's implemented with this the rubato <laughs> yeah rubato sense of yum bum, 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 that's not bum, easy to do push on the gba pull. yeah and i also just formally i love how long it the it really forces you to wait before you get that clear um, again, vocal-like melody with the strings that come in. And that's something that feels, you know, she Powerful was working on this there. music at the same time that Kenji Yamamoto was working on the music for Metroid Prime. And I think they both clearly were still in each other's atmosphere in terms of yeah. the style of these compositions. And much of his work in that game does a similar thing where, you know, it sets up atmosphere and texture for quite a while before it ultimately delivers a really pure and beautiful melody. What a great piece of work by Monaco Hamano. Let's move on to our next composer we're going to focus on today. We're going to play two pieces of music from Nintendo composer Shinobu Nagata, maiden name of Shinobu Tanaka, and we've referred to her as that many times before on the podcast. One of the first notable works of hers was Super Mario Sunshine. It was really a lot of pressure on her shoulders with this game. It's the first mainline Mario game where Koji Kondo split the work. Uh, really the the next mainline Mario game after Mario 64. And so working alongside Kondo to really establish a very different musical sound, one that I think was perfectly fitting for this world of Isle Delfino. A little bit maybe simpler, more innocent. There's a child-friendly quality that a lot of her music has, but Mm -hmm. it worked really well for this game. Let's play a classic uh, Shinobu Nagata track from Sunshine. It's one of my favorites. This is Noki Bay. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to the really relaxing and beautiful Noki Bay from a really underrated game, a game that is now finally getting the love that it deserves, maybe. This is Super Mario Sunshine, composed by Shinobu Nagata. Some of you may have known her name uh, previously as Shinobu Tanaka. She did so much great work. I was reading something. There's some speculation by some that she actually married Kenta Nagata, and that's why her name is Nagata. Now, that's not confirmed. I don't know if that would ever be confirmed, but that's they just have, a speculation. They have worked together on many They work together though. on the game that we're going to move on to next, which is really interesting to, to think about yeah, that. But in thing, any case, I love her music and her style. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And I think the musical tone of Sunshine is meant to feel a little bit like you're on vacation. I think her yeah. tracks, particularly um, she did all the ones that don't utilize Kondo's uh, theme, the, that kind of Isle Delfino Even melody. Even like the, 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 the bonus area, the kind of sand and sea Yeah, theme. and her music does have an innocent quality, but I feel like it also more explicitly captures the Isle motif that the whole mm-hmm. uh, soundtrack is 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 built upon uh but yeah she's an incredibly delightful composer did so much great work from this period another soundtrack that she was involved in was the first new super mario brothers game along with another composer we'll be talking about today uh, as well as koji kondo but she did the underwater music from that game which is kind of like if you love her work on sunshine that track feels like sort of a spiritual sequel to like noki bay Yes, we will play something from a later game in that series. Look forward to that. Let's move on to the last Shinobu Nagata track of the day. This is from Mario Kart Double Dash. And this was a collaboration between her and Kenta Nagata. We just mentioned that. I was happy that we were able to finally get specific crediting for this and a lot of other scores that we're featuring today. So that's a real treat for us. Uh, This is one of the compositions she contributed. It's so classic, her. (laughs) I love it. It's Peach Beach. Such a delightful and relaxing tropical piece. This is Peach Beach from Mario Kart Double Dash. I believe one track that we haven't played on the podcast yet. So there are some of those today. This is composed by Shinobu Nagata. And I believe that Kenta Nagata was more of the sound director on this game in addition to composing for it. And I just get the feeling like when she showed this to Kenta Nagata, he had to have smiled and just given a thumbs up because it is in the spirit of Mario Kart 64, even with that fretless bass, that jazzy bass there, uh, very reminiscent of his work on something like Koopa Troopa Beach. But yeah, it's it's a classic Mario Kart piece. 
Well, I feel like a lot of her compositions on this game sound more like Mario Kart 64 than Kenta Nagata's compositions. It's actually on this true. Game. <laughs> it feels like he was maybe moving in a slightly different direction for the soundtrack. I think mm-hmm. the GameCube boasted more power in graphical fidelity than the N64. In this game, particularly, I mean, I just think of the the pace of it seems faster. It's much more frenetic, and oh I my think God, Kenta yeah. Nagata wanted to capture that sense. A little of bit more chaotic pace and pulse. Yeah, and a track like this is so beautiful, though. This is one of my favorites from Double Dash. And yeah, that harmonized in third steel drum kind of melodic line, it feels yeah. totally at home in the Mario Kart series. Yeah, it's interesting. What we a great composer. The first Mario Kart game uh, with Soya Oka composing. And then here we have, you know, two iterations later, Shinobu Tanaka, who I think in many ways, you know, in, in the fact of the games that she worked on and as well as collaborating with Koji Kondo was kind of like this next generation's Soya Oka. I mean, yeah. working on these ancillary Mario titles, but also working on mainline games in collaboration with Kondo and having to do music where How it's sort of that? like in his voice, but also not in his voice. I mean, it's she really had some wonderful that- opportunities in this yeah. time. I mean, especially in the GameCube, she was killing it on the GameCube. It's something cool about Nintendo is they really do let younger composers take chances. They don't just yeah. assign the, you know, veterans time time to the big titles. They let the young people um, have a shot at it. And I think that's awesome. Let's move on to a wonderful Nintendo composer, Asuka Hayazaki. This is another situation where uh, her maiden name, Asuka Oda, might be a name that a lot of you are more familiar with. But in any case, we have a couple tracks of hers today. This one is kind of a deeper cut in the Zelda series, kind of a slightly forgotten gem, I would say. This is from a game called The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures, uh, which was a collaboration between Asuka and Koji Kondo. This was one of her compositions. It's the field theme. Let's take a listen. guys are listening to the very exciting and rousing field theme from zelda four swords adventures which came out for the gamecube kind of a ocarina of time sound set of instruments they have here this is composed by asuka hayazaki and i think it's a slightly forgotten gem from the series it's not one i hear people talk about a lot obviously using a lot of ideas established by koji kondo melodically rhythmically Mm -hmm. um but yeah making it her own as well this is 
really nice. Yeah, this is a composition that's sort of a direct, you know, utilizing musical motifs from the Hyrule Field theme in Ocarina of Time and definitely starting from that point. Some but nice Easter eggs for Zelda fans. Yeah, for composers like Hayazaki who've worked on so many different Nintendo franchises, I always so admire their versatility. Uh, and mm-hmm. particularly, I think it's so amazing to admire at the versatility of someone like Koji Kondo, but it's also really impressive to composers who are starting from a place of, they can't just do anything they want. They need to right. write within this pre-existing musical framework. So it's not just being versatile, but it's able to be versatile within a very specific sound set. And I imagine that's one of the appeals of younger composers wanting to work at Nintendo is you have these sort of time-honored uh, franchises that have a very specific musical palette that right. I must just be so fun and exciting to get to work with. And before we play our last track from Asuka Hayazaki, probably um, for me, better known as Asuka Oda, mm-hmm. uh, I want to mention some of the other games that she's been involved in. Good a, call. a lot of work in the Mario Kart series like DS and Mario Kart Wii. Mm-hmm. Also, she worked on a lot of the games in the new Super Mario Brothers series. She worked on the first game in the yep. series along with Shinobu Nagata, I almost said mm-hmm. Tanaka, and Koji Kondo. <laughs> she did a lot of the map themes and she actually wrote the main title theme from that game. Uh, but yeah, she's someone who still works Arguably at Nintendo her and biggest, continues to do great um, work. One of her biggest soundtracks she collabor- uh, she uh, contributed to was Twilight Princess, I would say. Oh my gosh, yeah. Series. Twilight Princess, I mean, we've gushed <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. for so long about how amazing that soundtrack is. But so yeah, not time for and, everything today, clearly. She and Toru Minigishi um, yeah, did an outstanding job, and I think her work on Four Swords Adventures probably is one of the things that gave Got her Koji the job. Kondo the confidence to say, you know what, you really need to work on a, another Zelda game. Well, let's play um, an Asuka track from the Mario series, something that I think captures her sound in this series. Um, it's a little bit chaotic, but it's so fun and there's a cuteness to it and it is boss music she does a lot of boss music in this series i really like this track it's called pom pom fight from super mario 3d land Really nice composition. This is Pom Pom Fight from Mario 3D Land. This is composed by Asuka Hayazaki, and we do have specific crediting for this game. I really like this track. There are plenty of boss themes in this general era of Mario games or New Super Mario games or whatever you want to say. That can be a little bit annoying, uh, and I think she has composed her fair share of those types of tracks. This is one where it has that same palette, but I do think it's a really well-composed piece of music. I think you could play this on the piano, and it would be really charming. 
Obviously, it's very zany, and there's this devious quality to it, which is perfect for a boss fight. But I actually think uh, the melody is really well done. Yeah, I mean, I think the use of some of these synth tones that are not subtle tones. They're overtly goofy, quirky, kind of Pee-wee's Big Adventure type mm-hmm. of very silly sounds. Um, but yeah, it's silly I, music, I think for sure. It's the mixture of that and sort of some of the tritonic relationships that has a very devious sound. And But, I mean, it's uh, it's bigger than Hayazaki. I mean, so many Nintendo composers seem to have donned this particular cap. I mean, Even a lot of Yakota's boss week. music. Yeah, exactly. And Nagamatsu's I think, boss music. It, yeah, it's, it's kind of a particular sound at Nintendo, but I always marvel when composers are able to kind of uh, I, I guess tick all the boxes where they're able to have that quirky synth goofy sound without it just being a throwaway composition. And this is something that's actually yeah. really memorable. And I particularly love that final section that becomes almost more whimsical and has the Celeste melody that uh, feels almost more like Christmas music or something. She also yeah. composed uh, from Super Mario 3D Land. And this track, as well as her others, were reused in 3D World that uh, winter theme that yeah, da, the da, da, snow da, theme da, da, wonderful da, da, da. theme we yeah, could have played da, 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 that da, da, too da, da, da. yeah yeah well guys let's move classic. on to a choice that some of you might be surprised by it's Yoko Shimomura she has composed for games published by Nintendo uh, the first one she did which was this interesting crossover game is Super Mario RPG so we're going to play a piece from that we're going to play a piece that we haven't played as many times on the podcast it's really pretty let's take a listen to Seeing Dreams Through the Window of the Stars You guys are listening to the very pretty Seeing Dreams Through the Windows of the Stars. This is composed by Yoko Shimomura. And I know for a fact that uh, when she got the job to work on Super Mario RPG, a lot of pressure. She really wanted to make sure she did a good job. Uh, she really did. And I think it's a score that is very beloved, uh, just like the game is, by fans of not just the Mario series, but the Final Fantasy series. This is a really fun and quirky soundtrack that kind of has something for everyone. And this is a beautiful piece. Yeah, I absolutely adore. I think this is my favorite Yoko Shimomura soundtrack. I just think it has some of her most outstanding melodies, and for such a large it's really score. Good. I mean, it's it's the size of a JRPG score, and mm-hmm. it's it's such a unique tone of taking the the very plucky and innocent sounds that we associate with a Nintendo game, but using that palette to populate this entire RPG and world. also using it as a sense of humor. This is the first Nintendo score. I I could think of where it was tongue-in-cheek and it was self-aware 
based right. on the, the previous Nintendo styles and kind of making fun of that on purpose, which I think she was the perfect person to do that. Shimamura is an interesting composer because she's worked and partnered with so many different uh, game studios. I mean, mm -hmm. most of us know her, you know, with Capcom and things like Super Street Fighter 2. She's a freelancer sorry. now. Yeah, yeah but Street she, Fighter I mean, II. works with everyone. Yeah, I mean, she's now known for some games like in the Final Fantasy series and Kingdom Hearts, was obviously. even back, yeah, on the Super Nintendo, Kingdom Hearts. She's worked with Squaresoft. She's worked with Nintendo, Capcom, all these big studios. Uh, but one of the long-running franchises that she continues to work on is is the Mario in Luigi series, which, like mm. Paper Mario, is kind of the spiritual successor to this first Super Mario RPG. Well, let's play a track from that series. This is from Mario and Luigi, Bowser's Inside Story. Really delightful piece of music. It's called Grasslands All the Way, composed by Yoko Shimomura. guys listening to grasslands all the way this is from mario and luigi bowser's inside story and i'm so glad uh it was will's uh kind of remembering an idea that oh yeah we can actually include yoko shimomura because that could have easily been forgotten uh just like going through the kind of first party composers it, it just it could have definitely been someone we would have forgotten so i'm really glad we didn't do that uh and yeah there's a lot of games that she has worked on for these beloved nintendo characters at this point yeah this is a really great piece of music it reminds me of her work on mario rpg because it still feels kind of self-aware and it's not music that would ever fit in a mainline Mario game, but it fits perfectly for these kind of RPG games yeah. with a lot of sense of humor. Yeah, these RPG games in the Mario series are so funny. I mean, like we talked about last week with the recent Paper Mario title. Mm -hmm. I, I really adore all of these series, especially because they have a way of turning Bowser into less of a villain and more of like yeah, I a, love just that. another character a funny in the character. kind of yeah like a in the wizard of oz tradition of like when you meet the cowardly lion at first it's sort of adversarial but he becomes a friend that's sort of how bowser is treated <laughs> in yeah. these offshoot mario games and he's really funny and there's just so much humor by kind of almost murdering him of his villainous... I will say one great contribution of those series is that has now permeated over into the mainline series. I mean, Bowser now has a lot of sense of humor uh, and there is a quality of him where you kind of feel bad for him sometimes. It was something right. he didn't do back in the day. Yeah, I, I, it's something that's so great. And I think 
particularly Shimamura's approach to the music, which not that it's always tongue in cheek, but I think mm-hmm. it it definitely goes for a more saccharine approach to the positive emotions, where you know the the music influenced by Koji Kondo tends to be it's very positive and happy but it, a lot of it's in these pastiche styles yeah and it's in like latin music or big band or it's all going for something really confident and cool <laughs> um and yeah her music in this series tends to go for i think the more emotional extremes i agree and some of that approach i do think has influenced the mainline mario series i mean if you look at the difference between like the castle theme from super mario world versus the castle theme from new super mario brothers Wii, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, the Wii one is a little bit more safe. It, the edges are rounded. It's sweet. It's friendlier. It's not yeah. as legitimately dark and gruesome as there's a sense of humor to it. Yeah. And I think that's something Shimamura was the first one to do that in the Mario series. Well, let's move on to that game we were just talking about there. We're going to move on to New Super Mario Brothers Wii, and we're moving on to a really talented and prolific Nintendo composer, one of the most prolific. This is Shiho Fuji. She's done so much wonderful stuff that we're actually playing three of her tracks today. Let's start off with a track that she contributed to New Super Mario Brothers Wii. This is the really relaxing and pretty Underwater. guys are listening to underwater this is from new super mario brothers wii uh composed by shiho fuji and a similar quality to this track that will was mentioning in the castle theme which is also a fuji composition and so if we would compare this theme to previous underwater themes compare that castle theme to previous castle themes there's something happening here there's a little bit more of this winking uh playful quality it is a beautiful piece of music that feels very mario and feels fairly Koji Kondo-esque, but there's something more that's added uh, that probably wouldn't have happened in, in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of hard to put your finger on. I think really it comes down to a different composer with different musical background approaching the same task, where you know Kondo's yeah. approach to Super Mario Brothers was to do a very Straussian you know, classical waltz, and that's what he mm-hmm. did, and I think Shiho Fuji wanted to do kind of the next generation version of that and she also compositionally I think approached it from the same direction but she's a different composer she has her own melodic instincts and her own harmonic instincts and also I mean the difference between the you know three channels of the NES synth versus what's capable with you know full red book audio well, well I'm really glad you talked about the NES because one thing that I love that Shiho did in this track is I feel like the instruments are conveying the spirit of the NES era. They're very plucky. There are these pure sounds. Uh, They don't sound particularly... good as far as like they're not conveying a real they're world not, instrument yeah, they're always, not sophisticated you know? timbres 
Um, but yeah, but I, I love I think that. that. That's a big part of the aesthetic of the new Super Mario Brothers series, and in, in the way that like some of the sound effects, the jump sound effect, for instance, is the retro kind of eight bit sound effect. And when you mm. jump on a Goomba, you hear the yoop and it's all in its you know eight bit glory. I think there is that kind of you know one foot in the old, one foot in the new, which in some ways I think actually hamstrings the composers. I think it would have been fine for the music to compositionally pay tribute to that without needing to you know make make the instruments feel so held back. And yeah. I think that's something that more recent games in the Mario series have kind of perfected a little bit. I would agree with but that. But this is one of my favorite Shiho Fuji compositions. I mean, it's a gorgeous piece of music. It really is. Let's move on to another wonderful Shiho Fuji track. It's from an absolutely outstanding score. And guys, without giving too much away, we're going to go back to the score later. So more than one very talented female composer contributed to Mario Kart 8. Such an exciting point for this series. One that we were just, our fists were just pumping when we heard this music. We were so excited. Let's take a listen to a piece that Shiho Fuji contributed. It's Toad Harbor. Absolutely adorable piece of music. Soyo Oka would love this. I feel like it's really embodying the sense of personality and color that she established with her first entry. This is Toad Harbor from Mario Kart 8, composed by the wonderful, delightful Shiho Fuji. I would love to meet Shiho Fuji. I just get the sense that she would be a really fun person to be around. Yeah, so uh, much this... of her music is incredibly pleasant. It's really yes, positive in almost is. every it feels series. So good. But what I love about this track is it's not textbook. It's not by the books. It's a very different approach to the Mario Kart sound. I mean, getting that lead guitar, we have to talk about the actual performance and the budget they had. I mean, that affected a lot of the compositional direction, I I think. Um, But yeah, this is a track that kind of reminds me of uh, the Sonic games... some of the modern Sonic games, and there have been some Sonic racers, but even the mainline games, I mean, Sega has been a company that has been really ahead of the curve when it comes to production and real performance, and Nintendo had been very behind, to be honest, and so this was a really exciting point when they were finally catching up, I would say. Well, and you know what? I don't want to be critical of Nintendo, but I think production is really one of the only ways in which you can kind of criticize Nintendo, historically at least. Right. But it's also one of the things that's so charming about their music is there's that David and Goliath <laughs> quality where, you know, while um, the other other studios and the other consoles were boasting more powerful graphics and more, you know, violent games and games with big orchestral <laughs> soundtracks. Yeah, they almost it's didn't like, need that stuff. Yeah, you look at something like Wind Waker 
and it's like all this general MIDI sounding stuff, but the compositions are so brilliant yeah. and they stick with you. And I think well, that's, what makes Mario Kart 8 so exciting is it has everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it really felt like a turning point where you can have the Nintendo ethos of melody comes first and the composition is at the heart of it. But, you know, it's like when you can polish these arrangements in a really kind of boastful way, honestly, it's so exciting. Well, and here's the deal something very different than the Zelda series for whatever reason. And a lot of different people were working on it. A lot of years had passed. The Mario Kart series was feeling quite stale musically. And so Mario Kart eight really was a shot in the arm for the series. And part of that was, okay, we're going to have the budget to do this. We're going to record all this music. And then everyone rolled up their sleeve and really composed colorful, entertaining music that deserved to be performed. Yeah. I mean, the style got away from that kind of goofy, quirky synth fusion and got more mm -hmm. to like actual fusion like you know yeah. 70s fusion with guitars and synthesizers and it's like getting to the spirit of what i think soyo oka you know not compositionally i think a lot of the music in uh, mario kart 8 it's that more high energy kind of Kenta Nagata style. But in yeah. terms of the instrumentation, I get the sense that, you know, if Soya Oka was able to use real instruments back on Super Mario Kart, this would be exactly what it would sound totally. like. It would have guitars, totally. it would have synths, it would have brass, it, you know, saxophones, kind of all in this one very colorful 70s fusion sound. Well, we're going to move on to, it looks like we have one, two, three tracks on our playlist from the current generation for nintendo uh this is a switch game it's super mario odyssey and shiho fuji contributed some absolutely delightful and like will said before very pleasing music happy music this is one of my favorites in the entire score it's shiveria town You guys are listening to Shiveria Town, composed by the delightful Shiho Fuji. You cannot keep this composer down. Just so exuberant and bright her music is that uh, just that way it just makes you feel so good and this is a great example of one thing I said at the top of the episode it wasn't like I had to go through Odyssey and find these obscure kind of uh, you know inferior tracks she composed some of the strongest music in the game and that is saying something because you have the likes of Kubo and Kondo also contributing as well and I mean her stuff was up there with with them I mean this is one of the most memorable pieces and, and moments in the game well, and she arguably has the most important role 
of all of the composers, which is that she composed the very first area that you visit in the game. That Bonneton yeah, theme is is her music, and that's kind of How what amazing sets is the that tone theme? for the whole game. I very love this Shiveria composition. It feels very much inspired by. I feel like her approach of kind of tapping into Koji Kondo's voice was to actually take a kind of Zelda Majora's Mask approach. The use of the tambourine, the rhythms of this, it remind me of the yum da 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 yum da 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 It's very much in that spirit, and because of that, and some of the other, you know, folk instruments she uses, it really reminds me of some of the compositions that she did on Skyward Sword. She was one of the yeah. composers on that it's game. another good shout out. And <laughs> there's, I think she composed that, uh, I forget the name of the location but there's like a milk bar in that mm-hmm. game where the you yeah, know, it kind of has a ranch hand quality about it and there's a certain rhythmic sense about this in that game there's a part where you kind of have to play your harp in rhythm to the the people swaying their hands right. and for whatever reason whenever i listen to shaveria i can picture those same people dancing and moving their hands from side to side you know will i had a similar experience when i was going through shinobu nagata music for whatever reason and i don't know why this happened but my brain was like predicting something i was going through the sunshine stuff and in my head i was hearing this tropical melody i assumed it was noki bay um, or some other beach theme. It wasn't until I got to the Double Dash, I was singing the Peach Beach Double Dash theme before I even got to that, before I even realized that I was going to include that. So how fun is it that I, something about, you know, my subconscious knew that that was also Exactly. Guys, we're very excited to move on to this week's Track of the Week. This is also for Mario Kart 8. It's the title screen for Mario Kart 8. This is one of the things I was talking about at the top. This is one of my favorite pieces of Nintendo music in the past, maybe 20 years, I'll say. It's so, so cool. And this is composed by an absolute all-star, Itsuko Asahi. And it's so incredible because this composition, in addition to just you know dropping all of our collective jaws for how incredible it sounds and you know how the just the energy and gusto of this but eventually it comes full circle and pays tribute to the title theme from super mario kart by soya oka you know from one modern woman of nintendo to kind of the original someone of the pioneer of nintendo music there's something really touching about that let's take a listen to the title screen
guys are listening to the title screen for Mario Kart 8, composed by the wonderful Atsuko Asahi, uh, a fairly young composer. I think she's currently uh, 35. She's the same age as our sister. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope we have many years ahead of delightful, colorful, balls-to-the-walls Asahi music. God, this is such an awesome track. I mean, I feel like Asahi and, you know, Naoto Kubo represent the next generation of, you know, younger Nintendo composers. Totally. bring to them so much. I mean, they're clearly well-versed and well-trained in these, you know, pastiche styles that have always been popular at Nintendo, but they actually have the chops to fully realize them. The, whatever players they got on Mario Kart 8 just blow me away. I mean, the guitarist, the yeah. saxophonist, there's it so much phenomenal. improvisation on this score. And Well, you know, and Asahi contributed, in my opinion, all of my favorite music to Mario Kart yeah. 8. All of my favorite tracks were hers. Even some of the cool deluxe stuff she did. She did some wonderful Smash Brothers series uh, arrangements. Um, she worked in the Pikmin series. Uh, yeah, she's done so much great stuff. Well, and she collaborated with Yasuaki Iwata, who went on to be one of the lead composers of Breath of the Wild, who wrote all mm-hmm. of my favorite music for that game. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to see Asahi just in a completely different direction, see what she would do in a Zelda game. Because it seems like Nintendo, they definitely don't typecast people, you know, because Toru Minigishi, (laughs) I mean, you'd think after Twilight Princess, he would just be the Zelda guy. And he did some of the DS Zeldas, but then he, you know, now he's working in like Splatoon, which is such a 180. I feel like all the Nintendo composers are so versatile. I'd love to see Asahi do something that's like the complete opposite, orchestral, slow, atmospheric, and really, you know, pretty melodies because she's just such a talented composer. You know that she has the the capability for that. Well, let's play a track that has a similar level of uniqueness and excitement to it. When we first heard it, our jaws were also dropped, I would say. This and I remember our w- second <laughs> when we first played this, we didn't know who the composer was. And my right. guess was Yasuaki Iwata because of his work on Mario Kart 8. And I was close, but Very I should close. have guessed Asahi. It was a collaboration, but this particular track is an Asahi track. It's the title Grand Prix from arms for the switch let's check it out
this is badass. You guys are listening to Grand Prix. It's the title theme to Arms, composed by maybe my favorite of the day here, Atsuko Asahi. Definitely the yeah. most impressive. Uh, I don't want to say flashy, but okay, I'll say it. Flashy composer on the playlist. She is a freaking badass. She is so really, cool. Really I is. love the ARMS music. This theme is one of my favorite Nintendo themes in such a long time. And for a new series, too, just to have this creative energy. I love how vocal it is. It somehow fits the kind of... You know, there's something about fighting that's primordial and seems like as old as time. So having the human voice in this chant, yet there's something so stylized about it because arms is, you know, these robotic arms and everything. So it's like the, the style here does a perfect job of kind of, you know, translating into the metaphor of music the exact visual aesthetic of arms yeah. and what a theme i mean that's such what a, a unique killer voice melody. she has i was wow. wondering do you think that yeah talk about unique voices do you think she's singing on this composition i don't know because whoever that question. lead female singer is it just has an awesome really kind of i would gritty, love to dark i would tone. love to think it was her that would make me smile even more than the track already made me uh i just wanted to give one more shout out because you mentioned it will uh, another great contribution uh, that Shiho Fuji has done as of late is she's been working with Minigishi on the Splatoon series. So that's ca- one of the things she's been oh, up right. to as well. Okay, guys, let's move on to Manaka Kataoka. And we're going to start with one of the first things she did, and then we're going to start with her most recent work. Uh, one of the first things she did was the lead composer on Animal Crossing New Leaf, and she composed the main theme. This is a wonderful theme that was actually the theme, the melody that was used in Mario Kart 8 for those Animal Crossing stages. Let's take a listen to the main theme by Kataoka. You guys are listening to the main theme of Animal Crossing New Leaf, composed by Manaka Kataoka. And to say that Kataoka is a unique composer with a very specific melodic style is an understatement. Very, very unique. This is a really good track, and it's one that is classic to me now. I mean, when I think of the Animal Crossing series, this is a melody that I immediately right. think of. It's funny, being introduced to it from Mario Kart, I can't help but hear dun 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 Yeah, exactly. Like, I hear the race version in my head. But there's plenty of plucky versions like that in the New Leaf soundtrack, which is a great soundtrack. I mean, I really love the music of the Animal Crossing games and Kazumi Tataka's voice in general that pervades that whole series. Um, But yeah, Kataoka is sort of like, 
she's very different than someone like Asuka Hayazaki, who I see is very mm. much like a chameleon. To me, Hayazaki is a lot like Ryo Nagamatsu, where it's like, sure. depending on what they're working on, they can assume completely different styles. Where Kataoka, th- there is a quality to her music that is very singular. And y- not mm. to say that she isn't versatile, but she takes these kind of harmonic risks, I think, that are yeah. very unique to her. The second section of this, I love it really reminds me of secret of mana uh just that sort of fourth based harmony and how pianistic this is well it, it know, also will it also reminds me of summer winds dun, 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 dun. there's like a similar melodic oh sure quality to that classic song yeah summer winds <laughs> this is it's a it's a pretty theme and i think kataoka's strength more comes down to harmony in mood and atmosphere rather than specific, like writing catchy melodies, for instance, which yeah. is why I think, you know, we're going to move on to Breath of the Wild music, but that's why it seems yes. like all of the catchy themes were Iwata. He did all of the, mm-hmm. like, r- you know, really memorable motifs, though she did write that prominent main theme. Most of her work in the game has to do with a lot of the texture and atmosphere, yes. some of the darker themes, the music that's more about ambience, which is really interesting i think because typically you think of the lead composer at least in the nintendo tradition the lead composer was typically the person who writes all the principal material in the secondary composers do the more functional music well clearly the priorities were quite unique and different on this game this is my favorite kataoka composition from breath of the wild let's take a listen to it it's hyrule castle Guys, are listening to Hyrule Castle from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, composed by Manaka Kadaoka, using some elements uh, from Koji Kondo, and also really bringing her own unique style to, to the front here. It's a really powerful moment in the game and a powerful piece of music. And this episode has been just 
amazing. I mean, so much great talent by all of these amazing female composers. Wow. Yeah, and this composition, I think, is so strong. And what Karaoka is capitulating on, I think, are two musical ideas from the Zelda series. One of them, more explicitly, is Ganon's theme, which is a reference to Kondo's material. Yet the main principal melody here is entirely original, but it's using that, that, that language of the Super Nintendo you know, linked to the past Hyrule Castle theme with this very rich harmony and fifths. Mm -hmm. It's very stable and elegant and majestic. Yet, you know, in this game, Hyrule Castle has been overtaken by demonic forces, more or less. So I love the way that she interpolates that. With My favorite gesture is that sort of piano octaves. Oh, that's so cool. Which feels like a reference to the kind of the passing time theme from Ocarina of Time, you know, the... Well, to be honest, it's also it's also a reference to a lot of her more atmospheric piano music in the score. Right. But I love this track because it all comes full circle and it comes together in a melodically powerful way yeah. that uh, some of her other music in the score doesn't. Yeah, in particular, there's some gestures in this melody that just feel so sweeping and elegant. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you leap up an octave like that, it's always a moment to take notice. Yeah, I like this melody better than her main theme, actually. I feel like the main theme in Breath of the Wild works better when it's broken into little motifs. So, like, I like when it's used in the ya-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum. Like, it works really great motivically, um, but whenever I hear it fully fleshed out, there's something that just, it doesn't quite feel like Zelda to me. It's Um, very different. Very different. Guys, the last uh, person we have on our episode today is the playout. So stick around. We don't want to forget the wonderful yuka sujioko also known as the fire emblem composer we're gonna play her theme the theme of fire emblem this version is from fire emblem the english name is genealogy of the holy war also known as fire emblem 4 for the super famicom so definitely stick around for that classic nintendo theme wow will did you have a good time today I did. You know, all of these composers could have individual spotlights, and some of them we've already done that. (laughs) That's Uh, true. But I think it's just great to um, recognize that a giant percentage of the greatest catalog of video game music is music that was written by women. And it's something that I I think it's sad that that even needs to be explicitly explained because that should be be special. That should be the status quo, (laughs) but it's something for those of us that love game music to be proud of. Um, And particularly, you know, in the corpus of Nintendo music, I mean, these are among some of the most classic themes where for something like Nintendo, that's quite a steep claim to make because there's so much legendary music. I one person I may be the most excited about is definitely Asuko Asahi. I can't yeah, wait if to you can't see tell. <laughs> what she does next uh, and how she continues to keep my jaw dropped because <laughs> a lot of her music has that quality. Uh, so guys, like we said, enjoy this Fire Emblem theme. I think that's about it. We have another really fun uh, Nintendo topic next week. So look forward to that. Anything else you got at the end, Will? I just can't wait for more Nintendo month. One thing that we have to mention is there's actually five weeks of November this year. The first time this has happened, there's five Mondays that land on it. So maybe the first or second time for the, the fifth 
week of November, we're going to do a Nintendo themed Mercado radio because also that's yes. the weekend of Thanksgiving, you know, with COVID and everything, we don't necessarily know our Thanksgiving plans, but we want to leave some room open for travel and things like that. Yes. So that will be a Mercado radio, which will be a nice kind of palate cleanser to get us back to non Nintendo topic in December. So it's going to work out really well as transition. So guys, we love this month. It's one of our favorite times on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. Enjoy this Fire Emblem theme. I think that's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>